ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Coming up, Lab and I take a deep dive into this year's Ryder Cup. That's right, I said this year's Ryder Cup. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast, brought to you by the new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a draw if you've got a fade? If you can hit it high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned from making P790, the forged face, the speed foam, and all its DNA, and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling rivalry begin. Available at your local golf retailer or tailormadegolf.com. Use promo code Golf Channel for free two-day shipping on any order. Lav, I missed you last week, pal. Um, before we get into this, I have to set the scene a little bit. I was kind of scrolling through my email on Monday morning, as I normally do, and saw that the PGA of America sent the U.S. Ryder Cup points out, which seems silly because there is no Ryder Cup this year. Of course, it was postponed until next year, and it's, this is wildly early to be sending out points lists. But it did get me thinking when I started to glance down the list that Steve Stricker having six picks is very unique. And as I sort of studied the list, I got to liking it. I tweeted it. You, of course, circled back around and took an unwarranted shot at me and said, Just welcome the- to the club. Is this the first time you've actually looked at this list? I mean, Steve Stricker, it's, it's been announced he's going to have six picks for for months now. I've which I've been which I've been you have to keep in mind. I've been championing this for years is that the captain should actually have to do something. And by do something, I mean craft a lineup and a roster to their own liking. And so I love the fact that Steve Stricker is going to have six picks. Now, Padraig Carrington on the European side, he's committed to only to only three. Uh, which is his prerogative. Uh, I do hope that uh, eventually he changes his mind. But was this the first time that you looked at the U.S. standings and said, "Oh boy, this is going to be this is going to be delicious fun to figure out who Stricker's going to be picking next summer and next fall." That's right. If I'm being honest, this is the yes. first I mean, time. I, this is the first I knew, time you looked. Of course, I knew I knew of these six picks. This was news. I, I think I even might have written the blog at the time. That, you know, breaking the news that, look, this is the way the PGA of America is going to do this because of COVID, because of the postponement. This is for the reasons I just pointed out that at the point we were over a year away. There was no reason for me to go down the list and study it. Now that we're a little bit closer, we're within that year window. Yes, Monday was the first day. So you you broke the news that there's going to be six captain's picks, but it's just now dawning on you. that Oh, this is a good idea. This could actually be really fun. I don't know that it's a good idea. It's an interesting scenario. I think oh, it's going of course to be it's fun, a good idea. fun to watch. Uh, and you and I are going to disagree with this because, and I only say this, speaking more from Steve Stricker's point of view, 
in certainly Davis oh, Love. Oh, Stricker's, Stricker's the worst possible person he to hates have six it. picks. Yes. Hates it. He, and, and he very well could go seven through 12. I remember like having it, this it conversation. Wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I remember having this conversation once with Davis Love, asking him, would you rather have 12 picks or no picks? And without hesitation, no absolutely no picks. It is the yeah. worst part of the job for a guy like that. Now, that said, I also asked Paul Azinger the same thing, and he said 12 picks. Yeah. Put it in my lap. Let me build yeah. my team, as you just said. Let me craft it in my own image. It's all about personalities. And Davis loves personality. Steve Stricker's personality. They don't my want to ruffle is- feathers. They don't want to hurt feelings. They want as simple of a process as possible with, with the least amount of carnage. And to this point, I, I, well, I would even say Jim Furyk's probably in that same scenario, but to this point, it did get us thinking. So what we're going to do here is our own experiment. We are going to start with the U S team. You're going to pick your six players. I'm going to pick my six players. Now we're going to mix up the rules because this is our game and we get to, to play it however we want, or we're going to take our ball and we're going to go home. We're going to do the same thing for the European team, even though Padraig Harrington, only has three picks. We're going to give Padraig six picks because he should, because that yes, makes it he fun. He should have six because it's fun. Cause this is a great idea because having more picks is great for the Ryder cup. All right. All right. So Rex, are we saying just to be clear on the ground rules, are we saying if we were drafting a team right now, or are you saying if we were projecting ahead to what we would want our team to look like next September? like we had like a five minute conversation about this before we went on air we should probably could have hashed this out then what the team would look like now because we have no idea what okay. what power players are going to be playing next That's year fine. at this time and also it's it, it is also worth pointing out that the way the european list works they you they go off of two different lists they go off very the european confusing. list and a, lot and a of team points. list i'm going to suggest that we just base ours based on maybe the world list and then we can bounce back and forth between the two just to make it easy and straightforward but you have the stage your six american picks all right. Well, first of all, let's say who is on the American side right now if qualifying ended, which would be it would be in order Dustin Johnson, Bryce DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, who of course is injured, uh, Justin Thomas, and Webb Simpson. Let's just throw out the fact that Brooks could actually play at Whistling Straits if the Ryder Cup is held right now, which would I think it's very much uncertain at this point. We haven't heard how the recovery from the knee and hip issues are, are going, but let's just say Brooks is healthy enough to play just for the simple fact of, of moving on with his exercise. So those are the six. No one would argue with any of those players. And so if I'm rounding out this roster, Rex, mm-hmm. uh, you have to put Xander Shoffley on that list. I think that's obvious the way that he's playing. He was in the mix, uh, the tour championship course where he was the low 72 hole score, uh, played great at the U S open as well. Uh, had another chance to win. I think he's obvious. Uh, let's see here. I would put Cantlay. I think my uh, love for Cantlay, you have to go a little bit further down the list, but I would put Cantlay on that. I think my, my love for him is, is 17th well known. on the list right now. Uh, yep. yep. So you're he's, going deep uh, already right out of the gates. Yep. He's as, he's as complete a player as you could find on the PGA tour. There's two of my six. Uh, I put Patrick Reed. Uh, he blew up on the weekend uh, at the U S open. He might have a hard time finding a, a partner who wants to play with him at whistling straight, but I think his match by record, um, at least historically speaks for itself. I think you got to put Boog. You got to put Boog in this lineup. One of probably the five best players who's, who's played since the PJ tour restart. Um, obviously one at colonial had a couple other chances to win. I put Boogie does have some uh, team match play experience, of course, playing on the president's cup uh, a couple of years ago. I put Wolfie. I put Wolfie uh, 
I can't he, believe you waited this deep to put Wolfie as you affectionately refer to him as Wolfie, which makes it even more uncomfortable for a grown man to refer to someone else as Wolfie. But our Matthew Matthew Wolf. I don't want to have a situation with a with a Pat Patrick Mahomes. Did you see that with the with Patrick yes. Mahomes' mother uh, chiming in? But look, I I think Matthew Wolf has proven himself on a big stage already. Certainly, with the plays he's played at the PJ Championship and conducted himself quite well. I must say, uh, final group Sunday at the U.S. Open with Bryson DeChambeau. So that's five. That is five of the six. And players who I have not listed so far, uh, Tiger Woods, have not mentioned Scotty Scheffler, the reigning PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, have not mentioned Jordan Spieth, uh, who's still lost in the wilderness. Brendan Todd, I had to really look for him. He was thir- he's 39th in the standings. If the Ryder Cup was played, Brendan Todd's probably going to be picked, wouldn't you think? I mean, the, the two wins that he had in late 2019 didn't count towards the Ryder Cup standings. But you'd have a hard time leaving him off the way that he's played. But I'm not going with either any of those guys. I'm going with Tony Finau. You put him on a big, brawny ballpark like mm-hmm. Whistling Straits. I like the way Tony Finau can, can play. He also uh, played quite well in 2018 Ryder Cup in Paris. He was probably the best uh, U.S. player that week. Thoughts, there, please. Well, no, the one interesting omission is a omission that, that I would say that you didn't even mention Phil Mickelson's name. Not that I no, would make him not a pick, even, not, that, no. not that he should even be considered, but the fact no, he's that not, you, he's not even a notable, not even a notable, not even a notable, not even not also even a getting votes. He's a complete afterthought. Uh, I, I don't know that I disagree with that. I think he would make a very good vice captain as he prepares for however many times. He absolutely would, he, and he should absolutely be a vice captain. But the, the, the fact you throw that much shine in his direction, that you're, I'm not mm-hmm. even going to make his, – his name's not mm-hmm. even going to come out of my mouth. That's how much little respect I have for Phil Mickelson. I mentioned Jordan Spieth before, I meant, before the name Phil Mickelson even would cross my mind. I didn't mention uh, Harris English, who's played great this summer as well. Uh, Harris English has. Uh, Ricky, and, I don't, and, I, and I disagree with your – Team well, guy, Ricky, Woodland, Ricky who's is currently on the guy. DL. Um, yes. And again, we kind of have to base this on what the reality is right now. I know we're playing this a year from now, but I, I could see exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Boog surprises me because I, I did not. You don't want Boog. I don't. I don't. So I'll, I'll go ahead and lean into mine because they're very similar to yours with some notable exceptions. And I went straight chalk right out of the gate simply because I looking at the captain, knowing what we know. about. Okay, Steve. Stricker. Okay, Steve Stricker. This is so, your team. This isn't Stricker's team. Well, no, but it, I just know the way this system works. So Xander and Finau are obvious choices in my mind, simply because of what Finau did last time in Paris. Him and Brooks were really the only bright spots for the American team way back then, and that was such a terrible week for us. And I also think for them, that is a $5 fine for them, Ooh, not us. Apologies, this is, this please. That sad. Was not. That took a bad turn for me. P. Reed is who I immediately threw in there. And look, this is about team chemistry. I was in Australia. I remember – there were people within that team room that said he was a cancer in that team room. I just don't know, given his record, given his Captain America status, given everything we know about Patrick Reed, how you leave him off. That, Like, look, he's not going to be a favorite inside the team room, but he's going to get you points if you put him in an opportunity where he can, where he can do that. And so I think you have to put him on the team. Now, my next three are who going would you, to stun- who would you put? Who would you put Patrick Reed with? I think there's a couple of options, actually. I think no, Bryson. I think Bryson's Bryson. a possibility. I think Webb Simpson is probably. Webb Simpson's Webb... a possibility. Although, didn't, yeah, I... didn't, Webb, didn't Webb get saddled with him at Royal Melbourne? We saw how that turned out, 0-3? Yeah. 
but I, I don't know if that was chemistry so much as I don't think either one of them were playing all that well, to be quite frank. I mean, you have to kind of look at both those options. So sometimes it's okay. That chemistry between Tiger and Phil just did not work. Let's never do that again. What a terrible experiment. Let's never mention it again. Or they just played awful and maybe they were playing awful in the term in the weeks leading up to it. And that's probably more to do with it than whatever chemistry may or may not have been missing in my mind. But my next three, I think are actually going to shock you. Uh, I went with Wolfie as you affectionately refer to your boy, Matthew Wolf, uh, number 11, simply because at, well, he's, a, he's a tour winner, so you can't take anything away from him. However, when I look at the big picture, and this is where I got out of Steve Stricker's shoes, because isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a new result? Well, isn't it time for us to break out of the mold? So I think you got to turn, turn the page eventually. I think so. I think Patrick Cantlay would be my next pick. He's 17th on the list. I just think he's such a calming force on the golf course that you could pair him with really anyone. Played he's almost, great with Xander at Royal Melbourne. He's almost like this generation's Webb Simpson, where he is so interchangeable. He's exactly what you want in that situation. And this one is absolutely going to stun you. I went with Scotty Scheffler because Ooh, of what I don't we've hate seen over the line. What we've seen over the last few weeks, even all the way down at 22. And like you, I would never going to mention Phil Mickelson's name. I'm not quite sure I'd even mention Tiger Woods's name. No, if I had to circle I around think, and make excuses. Uh, yeah, if I had to circle around and make excuses for anyone, it would have been Gary Woodland and Kevin Kisner, simply because Gary is hurt. And again, we have to take the situation as it is right now. And I think Kevin Kisner is a great team player, but there's only 12 spots. Yeah, and look, I think you compare Scotty Scheffler. He's he's kind of got that easygoing personality. Um, he's he's hit it off with with Dustin Johnson over the past couple of months. They've they've played some some big. Uh, tournaments together, of course, including the final group of the PJ Championship. They share a management com- company. I could see that that kind of uh, mentor-mentee relationship brewing between those two players. And I think, look, I think you you hit the nail on the head. You have to turn the page at some point. You're going to have Colin Morikawa on that team, more than likely, unless he just absolutely has a terrible 2021. You would think the points that he accrued uh, with the PJ Championship should give him quite a boost. And then you're looking at some of these these new wave players, whether it's Matthew Wolf or Scotty Scheffler, you just, you just have to implement them at some point. You just can't have, you just can't depend on the president's cup every two years to be this, this trial period for, for breaking in these newer guys. Well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We're going to get beat. I mean, let's be honest. We we are they uh, again, now I'm up to $10. The U S team is going to get beat. Is that the worst thing that's going to happen? Because I go yes, back at because Paris. That, Cause that would be, cause that would be disastrous. It, w- it really would. It would be it, a disastrous result for them to lose. Do you, do you, do you expect anything else though? I mean, we yes, haven't I, even gotten, I, I expect them to win. I really do. I do not. I do not. And look, I think you the expect them to lose. You think they're going to lose. Not, uh, I do. I do simply because we haven't even gotten history, to Europe. We haven't even gotten to Europe's line. And on yet. paper, it is going to, trust me, I've done this exercise. On paper, it looks terrible, but it always looks terrible on paper every two years. And I I am a fan. I thought what they tried to do with the task force, what they're just continued to try to do with the task force is a very, very good thing. And you have to try to freshen things up and keep things moving in the right direction. I just don't think we have the culture to get there yet. So we mentioned the European team. We'll get right to it. Now, there's two lists. There's a world points list. There's a European points list. I say we go off the world points list, which would put in order Tommy Fleetwood, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Victor Perez, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Bern Weisberger on the team. So I'll leave the floor to you for the next six, Captain Padraig Harrington. So hold on. We got Victor Perez on this team? 
Well, I mean, we have to base it on one of the lists, and otherwise, so you got world gets... points. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's he played he played well in early twenty twenty. No, so, I, I mean, sorry, I use, we're looking. I use, at... I use, I use uh, European points. Sorry, I use. Oh. I was, if I'm a lean. All right, one. so you got so you got Fleetwood, you got Rom, you got Rory, you got Victor Perez. Um, Fitzpatrick you got, and you got Fitzpatrick. Ooh, see, I'm not even I'm not even sure. I love those those automatic qualifiers. I mean, Beesberger, he had a great end of the 2019 season. He hasn't done a whole lot this calendar year. Victor Perez, like we mentioned, had a couple good starts. He hasn't done much this summer as well. Uh, either I, I do like the fact that you could have Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's he's played well. He plays tough golf courses uh, exceptionally well. I do love that. So now we're looking at six guys. Uh, to me. Obviously, you have to have Terrell Hatton. Um, he's kind of that spark plug, the the fiery guy that that every team would want. Um, the guys seem to really like him, even if he is a bit of a character and a loose cannon. Um, I, I like him a lot. Uh, let's see. I think you have to have Victor Hovland. Uh, PJ Tour winner, of course, Puerto Rico, second best rookie on the PJ Tour in 2019-20 season. Uh, I think he'll make his debut in Wisconsin. And then this is this is where I think this is where I think it really falls off. You could make a case for Danny Will. Right now, he would have qualified using the world points list uh, based on the way that he's played uh, over the past year or so. Don't love it. I'm not going to get a whole, not going to get overly excited about it, but I think you have to put Danny Willett. Um, so now I've got three picks left. I think, I think you could make a, I think you can make a case for Sergio. Look, he just went at the Sanderson Farms. Um, statistically, he's he's still a tremendous ball striker. Um, his his Ryder Cup record um, is is still excellent. I mean, he's one. He's I think he's 20, 22 and twelve. Twenty two and twelve. So I think until further notice, I know he's going to be forty one in January. I think you got to put Sergio on that team. And now you're looking at guys like Lee Westwood. We saw what happened last Ryder Cup in the States. You got Stenson, who's barely played in 2020. You have Justin Rose, who's yet to win in 2020. Paul Casey, Thomas Peters, Ian Poulter. Um, I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to start to get a little crazy, Rex. If I'm filling out this roster, I want Matt Wallace on that team. I'm not sure he's the most likable character. Uh, I think you could potentially have some chemistry issues that the Americans have uh, in abundance. Uh, but I would put Matthew Wallace on that team. Matt Wallace, excuse me. And I don't think you thought this through. I think I would do Paul Casey. I think. Oh wow. I, th- I think I would do Paul Casey. I'm I'm really curious to see. I, I know we have to pick this team right now, but I am really curious to see if there are any other players from this next wave of European talent. If you include. Victor Hovland and that, who I think, of course, is, is leading the leading the movement. If you can have a player like Matthias Schwab, who is, who is terrific at Vanderbilt and has made his presence on the European tour, if you have someone like a Bob McIntyre, who had played well in 2019 and hasn't done a whole lot this year, uh, Erasmus Hogard. Always reminds me of Rex Hoggard, but Rasmus Hogard. No uh, relation. Played, <laughs> yes, no, no relation. Has played as well as anybody during the European tour restart. I know he hasn't played any, against anybody, but... Uh, someone like him, Thomas Dietrich, Marcus Schinholt. I think one of those guys is going to step up in 2021 and make it really tough for Padraig Harrington to leave him off. Uh, but right now, at this point, if we're picking this team right now, I, I think you'd have to put Paul Casey 
in that mix. He did tie for second at the PGA Championship. So those are my six picks. Hatton, Willett, Sergio, Hovland, Casey, Matt Wallace. No, I like that. And I can certainly see, I did not consider Paul Casey, uh, and I probably should have, although he has not really played very good golf since the restart. And I think he's he been tied for ball. second at the PGA Championship. I, yeah, but he'll tell you that was smoke and mirrors. I, I just think that he just hasn't played his best golf. And he'll tell you for it's probably a mere, a mere reason simply because he, he doesn't like playing without crowds. And that's a whole different conversation that luckily we don't have to have right now. But I, I like those picks, and I'm going to kind of go the opposite way of what I went with the u.s side simply because it when you look at the u.s team all right the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result the europeans want the same result so i'm going to immediately jump on the likes of as you pointed out sergio garcia for all those reasons his Ryder cup record his ball striking his veteran leadership what he brings to those matches and he's sort of the heart and soul when it comes to that team so sergio's one for me lee westwood is two and if you look you ever at the seen, way you ever seen lee, lee westwood putt Oh, sure. And it sure you remember, you remember, Hazeltine, you, remember, you remember Hazeltine four years ago? I'm not putting him in a putt off or a chip off for that matter. Luckily, there's a lot more that goes into these matches, but he has not finished outside the top 20 in his last four starts. I just think, he, again, veteran leadership. He's going to be Oof. a captain very, very soon. I, I really yeah. like the way that one plays out. And this one's really going to throw you. So save your, your indignation for this one. Martin you Keimer. Rafa. No, Martin, Martin Keimer. Keimer. Yeah, he's the number 39th on the list, so I had to go deep for that one. He has experience. He won the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits in 2010. I just think he has shown flashes of himself. I think he could very well be what Adam Scott was to the international team a few years ago when Adam Scott was floundering, and he was picked, and he came out, and it sort of rejuvenized his career and rejuvenized his game. I really think that this could be that opportunity for him. I love Victor Hovland. And I think he's comfortable on the big stage. We've seen it on the PGA Tour. That was an easy one for me. And then for me to round out the team, I, I like Hatton as well uh, for the reasons you pointed out. I think he's comfortable in the United States, and I think he brings a fire. Maybe it's a little bit too much fire sometimes, but I do think he brings fire. And then my last one is a little out there. You're, you're totally going to it, but Alex Norn. He's got three top ten to finish the season. He finished 17th at the U.S. Open. I just think he's such – He's going to be what Francesco Molinari was without Francesco Molinari on this team. I think he's going to be that guy that goes out, hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens, doesn't make any mistakes, and sort of rattles the opponent. So that that lines up mine. I, I go with Sergio, so, Lee Westwood, Martin Keimer, Victor Holland, Victor Hovland, Hatton, and Alex Norn. So just to be clear, neither of us are putting Henrik Stenson on this team. Neither of us are putting Justin Rose on this team. Neither of us are putting Ian Poulter on this team. Neither of us are putting Francesco Molinari or Graham McDowell on this team. There's no Thomas Peters, who, of course, teamed with Rory uh, 2016 and was dazzling and has played some, some pretty good golf this summer. I'm, and, you, and you don't like Paul Casey. You don't like Paul Casey despite being 21st in the world. I don't, simply because he hasn't played great since the restart. So, yes, I don't like Paul Casey. And even though I think what he brings to this team, having the opportunity to get back on the team two years ago in Paris was huge for him and almost rejuvenized his career, rejuvenated his career. But, yes, no. now in Ian Poulter, I just, again, haven't seen anything out of his game. I mean, if you can look at all these players that you just pointed out, which, yes, they're all names and they're all people who are going to be considered. But if you look at their, their game this year – their form, where the, how they're playing at this particular moment. I just don't know how you put them on that team. Ian Poulter being the first one. He is 69th on that list that we're working off of right now. 
Yeah, I think I think Europe. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in 2021 because this is a a team. Um, it's almost like a a franchise if you look at a big picture. That's kind of in transition at this point. You have this older guard, whether it's Sergio and Rose and Stenson and Casey and Poulter and Westwood. I mean, these are all guys who are, if they're not already 40, they're they're getting awfully close to crossing that threshold, and it's I think it's pretty obvious that their best golf is behind them. So you have this old guard and you have this next generation, which I think is led by Victor Hovland, but you, but they haven't quite established themselves yet. Right. Like Europe, I think Europe would love to have one more year with that core of, of aging warriors. I really do. I think they'd love to have one more Ryder cup out of them. And then when you get to 2020 or now be 2023, I think once you get to 2023, then you can actually turn the page like the Americans are starting to do and, and infuse some of this new blood whether it's a Marcus Schinholt or a Thomas Dietrich or Pepperell or Matthias Schwab, you know, the, the next wave that's coming, the Sam Horsefields of the world. I think, I think that's what they'd love to do, but I'm not sure that that Keimer and Westwood and Casey and Stenson and Rose are going to play well enough in 2021 to make it easy for Patrick. I think he's, I think he's going to have to do a lot of justifying if either, you know, if those guys don't play well and the new wave doesn't quite play well enough to, to, to go out and grab one of the spots from them. I would agree with that. And in, I mean, to look at it even larger picture, this is based on the idea that Ian Poulter is not going to turn things around and earn his way onto the team or Paul Casey's not going to continue to be consistent, which he has been over the last few years, but let's say they don't, let's say all of these old war horses, as you, as you pointed out, continue to fade next year. It's almost as if the pandemic robbed them of that one final go round, right? Cause had they yeah. played this year, I don't think there's any doubt that Ian Poulter, Paul Casey, Lee Westwood, the rest of them would have found a way to be on that team, whether as captain's picks or qualifiers. So you could almost make the argument that the one-year delay probably hurt Europe more so than it hurt the United States. Absolutely. And we didn't even talk about Molinari, who, who had, who's making his, we will. his, 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 his return this here week. Uh, in Vegas, GMAC. I mean, this is, this is the end of the road for a lot of those guys. If, if the 2021 Ryder Cup, um, if, they, if they even make it at all, it is in all likelihood going to be their last go round uh, being on a European squad. So I think, I think even more so for the European team, how those guys play in the first nine months of 2021 is going to be even more interesting than what happens with the American side. Because I think you can, you can make a solid case for 20 guys in the Europe on the American side. I don't think that's the case for Europe. I think you have a potentially, I think potentially you're going to have a hard time rounding out that nine through 12 spot. Simon, do me a favor. Tag that sound. End of the road for the Europeans. I, I want us to be able to re-rack for those, that. Just... For those guys. For those. No, no, I, I for, the, for part of the older guard. Please tag that. It has, that to, be. It has to be. I want to be able to re-rack that next year when, when all of the war horses show up and, and rub his nose in it so I can just say, here we go. Everyone, I can play it for the entire team and you can get called out in next isn't, year's Sunday press conference. Isn't, isn't Lee Westwood still beefing with you on, on Twitter or is that uh, or is That, that was world faded? ranking related. I know better than to go head to head. I, I don't beef with Europeans when it comes to the Ryder Cup because their game is too strong. I do not have that strong of a game. When it comes to the world ranking, now I can talk a little bit about that. Now, as you mentioned, uh, Francesco Molinari is, playing, Molinari is playing this week in Las Vegas. It seems like everybody decided to make Las Vegas sort of their first start of this season, not counting the U.S. Open, which technically was part of the new season. But if you look at it, it was Bryson DeChambeau, Cameron Champ, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Morikawa Webb, go on down the list. 
all of them are making their first non-major start of the season. And it has everything to do with timing. They're going to be in Vegas for two weeks, and then they're going to go to L.A. for the Zozo Championship. Kind of perfect tune-up for the Masters. Before we get into the field, I do want to touch on Francesco because it's such a fascinating – I can't wait for this press conference tomorrow because he has been so honest in the past. And I want to hear why he decided, I mean, it, to really pull the plug on this on his year. He wasn't playing great when the pandemic hit in March. Uh, it was clear he wasn't comfortable in the position he had been thrust into as this suddenly this world beater and, and potential champ, major champion all the time. And I think he used the pandemic and the quarantine as a way to restart. And you don't get that very often. Not when an athlete is in his prime where he's willing to take a knee and decide that, look, it's best for me to be at home with my family. We really didn't have that in golf. He is sort of the outlier when it comes to this. I mean, he, t- he needed a total reset. I, I mean, this was, this was a, a player who was, who was lost and, and I'll still s- stick by what I'd said for months. And it's that Tiger Woods broke him at the masters. What happened uh, on the 12th hole? It's a good broke line. Francesco Molinari. It's, it's indisputable. If, if Francesco had gone on to win that masters, he would have had just an incredible, obvious uh, 2018, obviously, where he won the Open Championship, where he outdueled Tiger there head to head. Went five and zero at the Ryder Cup. Had just won Bay Hill a couple weeks prior, and then wins the Masters. And you're you're looking at a guy who's who's on top of the world. Instead, what you had is a player who has not finished in the top ten since. Francesco Molinari has not finished in the top ten since the 2019 Masters. So what happened? What happened is he lost confidence. What happened is the bulletproof aura that he was probably feeling was shattered. What happened is he seemed to chase a little bit of distance, lost his game, and now he has not played since the Players' Championship uh, was canceled. I'm I'm curious. To see, obviously, my, my expectations are not very high for Francesco Molinari, but if anyone can figure it out, you would hope a guy can figure it out after seven months away. Seven months away with his family, away from the game. I've spoken with the swing coach a few times over the last few months and tried to figure out what's happening. And the extent of his practice is walking in the backyard in his garden and swinging a golf club. I mean, this is not someone who, who for a very, very long time seemed to have any interest in getting back to his day job. And the idea that Tiger Woods broke somebody is not new. I mean, you can make an argument that Tiger broke Ernie Els back in the day. You can make an argument that there was a time frame when he was pretty much breaking Phil on a weekly basis and i like that i mean i think it makes a very good headline it certainly makes for a very very good story i don't know that it's true and i don't know that we're ever going to get the truth out of him because francesco is not the type of person to really talk about these things openly because i think there was other things that factored into this as you pointed out he was on top of the world if he wins that masters after everything that he had done the year before at the Ryder cup at the open championship everything else he had accomplished suddenly he is the best player on the planet at least for that small window that we look at these. And it's clear that he was not comfortable with that position. Now, maybe it was getting in that spotlight with Tiger Woods and realizing I don't want to be here. And he's not the first player to get to the top of the mountain and decide, hmm, this isn't what I wanted it to be at all, and sort of take a step back. You and I work with a guy like that. I mean, I would make an argument that David Duvall got to the top of the mountain and decided that "Mm, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I'm better off going in a different direction. So it will be fascinating to see what he says tomorrow when he speaks with the media on Wednesday in Las Vegas. 
and it will be interesting to see how that reset has applied to his game because certainly he needs to turn things around. As you pointed out, he has been dreadful over the last really 12 months. Yeah, yeah, he really has. And as you mentioned, it's a stack field this week in Vegas. Uh, really interested to see, of course, uh, Bryson DeChambeau making his first start uh, since he blew away the field at Wingfoot. This will be a good test for him. Uh, it's a it's a place in a golf course at TPC Summerlin where he's finished T7, first T4 over the last three years. Uh, it's a good place to, to kind of pick up where he started. Um, he talked after winning the U.S. Open that he was going to start testing a 48-inch driver. 48 inches, of course, is the maximum allowed under the rules of golf, trying to hit that 20, that 200 mile an hour ball speed. That's kind of the, the holy grail for Bryson. He thinks a 48 inch driver um, will, will help get him there. He, he talks to the media on Wednesday. Uh, I find it um, hard to believe that he would actually put a 48 inch driver just two weeks after winning the U.S. Open. Um, but, but stranger things have happened when it comes to Bryson, but I am curious to see how he plays just because of his success that he's had previously on this golf course before he even got uh, enormous. Did you happen to catch the Golf Central podcast brought to you by TaylorMade last week that uh, I hosted when they interviewed Mike Shea? I did not. Okay. Well, it was, I asked thanks, Mike Shea. Thanks, thanks for Bryce, listening. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, we need the clicks, download, redownload. Uh, I asked Mike Shea, his longtime swing coach, if 200 is, is obtainable. It, as an average, we know he can get there and yes, he, he can laugh to off the podcast. He said 215 is going to be the average. So stay tuned. I did not get the impression that they're reaching the, the ceiling of anything. The other part of that, had you listened, was he went into great detail, which you would expect from Bryson DeChambeau, swing coach, in explaining how he knows how you can Bryce proof a golf course and has nothing to do with adding tees. So go back and listen to that. I thought it's it was trees. a fascinating It's technique. adding trees. Uh, no, that wasn't Mike's, uh, but, but thanks. You just, you want to was shout it, out was something it adding, else? Was Sand, it adding fire-breathing dragons? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? What did you, uh, be, be, before we go, Rex, what'd you make of, uh, Sergio's when I know you were, uh, uh, fixed to your television all Sunday watching, watching that fierce battle in Mississippi. Uh, there were other things going on as well. I mean, there, there was a lot of football and I think that I was smoking I think smoking, ribs were you smoking ribs. I was. Uh, I woke up early too because we had friends over in the afternoon. I got to get those out of the way. Because oh, I hate when, when when you're smoking stuff and you know this. So when you're smoking something and people oh, come horrible. over oh, and they no, sit there and just stare. And oh, how much longer? And hours. The answer is hours. They're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. I'm hungry. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if you if you have a brisket, it has to it has to rest for two or three hours. Now ribs ribs you can pull them off and eat them within five minutes. Uh, but it is it is uncomfortable. The wife is is in the in the kitchen glaring at you as your as your main the smoker thing. Come on, just hurry up already. Come on. Uh, how did how did the ribs turn out? Uh, they turned out well. Yeah, I seem to ribs are I've I've gotten under control. I'm very good at ribs. It is going to be a long time before I tackle another brisket. I will. Say. Oh man, it is. It really is just confidence crushing. It, I mean, it is it is Tiger at the 2019 Masters confidence crushing if you screw up a brisket. Because well, the brisket broke me. Now, you can say whatever you want about Tiger and Francesco, <laughs> but the brisket broke me. There is no doubt about that. I, I would totally agree with that. I just bought two new meat probes because I was so flustered that, that mine didn't cook correctly. So I've, I've, I've dropped $200 just on meat probes alone. Uh, forget, forget the $25 brisket that I bought. I've now spent $200 on meat probes trying to perfect this damn thing. 
No, and I can do pulled pork. I, I've done that a couple times oh, before. I cannot do. I can't do chicken wings to save my life. I just did chicken wings. Did you see my garlic? Yes, you see my garlic farm wings? They look little, very little good. Crispy bits of char. Oh, you gotta love it. You gotta All love right. it. That'll be in the next podcast. We'll do a Golf Center podcast barbecue version. But for this week, that'll do it. We'll see you next week. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.